it's been insane last week, to be honest, compared to what we've seen, honestly, for the whole year. Yeah, it has. It has. And I mean, we've got a few things, obviously, coming up, some of which I know we've spoken to previously. And I, I promise for anyone that listens, we're not going to talk about the Tom Sachs, other than right now to tell you that we're not going to talk about the Tom Sachs. We'll save that for uh, next time. Um, but yeah, we've, we've obviously had <laughs> Louis Vuitton, Air Force One, Travis's, a whole boatload of uh, dunks, a couple of SB dunks, uh, Yeezy Day coming up, a few more pairs on the horizon, lots to talk about, lots to recap on. Um, um, have we got Hollywood with us yet? I think he was just finishing something up, perhaps. Oh, there he is. Oh, yeah, there it is. Speak of the devil. And for anyone confused as to why AM Notify US has a British accent, I am hosting on behalf of Ant, who is the manager of the US group. And then we have Rezus, um, who is the manager of the Canadian group. He is on the Canadian Twitter account. And uh, Hollywood. Welcome, Hollywood. Um, who works with us from a hello, marketing hello. and various other perspectives. But I'll, I'll let each of you do a little blurb on yourselves and introduce yourselves. Yep, as Dallin mentioned, uh, Reza's name Notify Canada. Um, yeah, kind of take care of everything that AM Notify does, just up north. <laughs> uh, I'm not too sure what Dallin said about me because I lost connection, but I am Ant from AM Notify US. I'm the manager of AM Notify US. Nice to be here. Hey y'all, um, Hollywood. I do uh, partnerships for the group um, and also help out with marketing. Awesome, awesome. Thank you very much, guys. And obviously, thank you to uh, everybody for joining us this evening for our chat. Uh, now, we, we, we pushed that off uh, for any, any members of the regions. You'll be pleased to hear this was actually pushed from, normally we do it on Mondays. We're doing it on Tuesday um, as a bunch of us were having in in real life meetups uh, yesterday, a whole series of meetings. Lots of exciting plans um, for you all um, and in, in many different ways. So it, we've got some really cool stuff that we'll be deploying over the coming weeks, months, days. Um, and yeah, just excited to see that transpire over the coming months. If I say anything more than that, I'll get in trouble. But uh, yeah, you'll, you'll you'll see what's coming up soon. Um, but I think probably first thing to get stuck into most recent Yeezy slides. Um, lots of stock, I think, is probably the best way to describe that. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man, I think yeah, some so U.S. retailers, like we got like finish line, I think dropped 10k pairs of bone. I think. 12k pairs of onyx are mixing or the inverse of that one of those options <laughs> uh shoe <laughs> palace had like four uh, i think 4k total between both pairs uh, b- between both colorways just insane amounts of stock yeah it's 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 really weird when you compare that to like what we're seeing from the nike releases recently where you're like clawing to try and find somewhere that's got more than three digits of stock uh, I mean, 
with the way the trash men's women's wins went out, like I wouldn't be surprised to find out there was less than a thousand pairs on the site, honestly. Um, but slides, slides overall, I think was um, it was a pretty good release for members. I was uh, vibing with the Canadian guys um, on the morning of the release and saw a bunch of guys were cooking up a, a storm. Um, I know quite a lot of success on the in-store raffles. How did mm-hmm. the US members get on that? Oh, we destroyed just about every single website. Uh, one of the most uh, notable ones was DSG. So they actually, like, their entire website crashed during the main drop at 10 a.m. Uh, and most orders really weren't able to be placed until, like, 30 minutes after, like, really 30 minutes into the drop. Um, and if you were lucky to get an order placed, uh, a lot of them did get canceled. Uh, DSG then later drops off at, like, around 3 o'clock. Uh, Eastern and Heha released like a they completely tweaked their DSG module. You couldn't you could only run like twenty tasks and every single task was an instant checkout. It was actually insane. Uh, a member hit eleven pairs and like all in the same address, they all shipped today. They're all coming in tomorrow. <laughs> it's just Incredible. insane. And then they continue to restock. We actually just deployed our new beta monitor of DSG. And we picked up, they restocked, they continue to restock like every hour after. And our new model was picking every single individual size restock up and we were just destroying it. It was amazing. Was that a Gonzalo one? Of course. Awesome. Gonzalo, for anyone that doesn't know, we've got a, an in, in-house, um, one of our team of developers, but this is our, our focus monitor developer who's... Probably the most common word that he uses in his dictionary is or in his vocabulary, sorry, is the fastest. Um, he's obsessed with speed. He's incredibly talented. Um, so if Ant typed about something, it means that it's really good. Um, so excited to see what sort of results you guys um, and girls and everyone get from that. Um, I think in Canada, I saw a couple of members hit some crazy clips. Um, but I mean, was there any sites in particular you saw? Um, resist that were kind of stood out to you in terms of results or maybe the opposite maybe they stood out because just a, a lack of results it was actually yeah it was that, that was more so the case there was a <laughs> there was a raffle stock that we had assumed to be way way bigger than it actually was and then not not many wins went out the next morning there ended up being a ton of leftover stock um, size, my stock actually like, dropped last size, night yeah, yeah. Size would have um, dropped, I think, a couple pairs earlier today. Livestock dropped them all last night. And I mean, we know, expected more. I mean, but everything we saw kind of as, as the releases went on, everything went to footlock and champs. Because, yeah. Yeah, people were hitting 50. Today, plus and it seemed like there was, there was quite a lot of stock there. And I yeah. know that I always go to call it mesh stores, but I guess that's not really the correct phrase over here, is it? Um, but yeah, JD the, the, and yeah, the, the group stores. They, um, I know that we were all kind of surprised by the amount of low stock, but from my understanding, there was there was a good amount of um, good amount of in store stock. Mm-hmm. And I do know that they, 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 you know, it wasn't this wasn't a release where they were they were giving staff like loads of access to it or anything. Like it was very much kept for customers so that says to me that whilst there was a good amount of stock it wasn't as high as people are hinting at because otherwise you know you, your staff are important you let them get access to stuff like this yeah um, for sure keep, keep them keep them sweet um what about you Hollywood? did you did you have a cook-off on anywhere 
Yeah, I didn't really bother running any of my bots this time round. Um, I was I was busy this week, but um, I got the usuals of um, I seem to have one of those Adidas confirmed accounts that I win ninety nine percent of draws, so I won every pair on that. I uh, got a bunch in raffles as well, but I didn't do any uh, kind of direct drop botting just um, because of time. I was going to ask actually a question to get your your thoughts on what point do we feel like these slides are going to fall off? Because, you know, stock is, it does feel like stock is going up and up every time and, you know, more and more frequent restocks of them. Do you think we're going to see them go the way of the, uh, the easy 350 cream where, you know, Adidas kept testing and testing and they got to the point where they actually hit that uh, saturation point? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, I think that it's quite a simple item and people like the style and perhaps, in my opinion, like the the color palette perhaps more so than the shoe itself or the the slide itself. So it's like, you know, it's it's an item that ASAR, Primar, whatever your country's equivalent version is. Um, They can replicate really easily. It's, It's not as hard to get as a 350. But, I mean, prices have been hit massively by this restock. So if they do go down that route of restocking every six months, it's really going to struggle to get more than a you know, lunch money profit shoot for quite a while, I think. Yeah, the question is, will this be the, you know, Kanye's been saying about Yeezys for everyone for a while, is this going to be the Yeezy for everyone? <laughs> That's exactly it, isn't it? And I, I think, like, one thing I've always kind of thinking about and I think obviously it's a tough one with where Kanye's been in the public eye etc but uh, for those of you that have been around for some time you'll remember back that there was a point where they were trademarking the concept of the Yeezy name for retail stores they were planning on opening retail stores globally um, staple items t-shirts active wear um, and then that just kind of got quietly pushed under the table um, I know the Gap Balenciaga Yeezy thing's over and done. That was a one and done. Um, so it, it almost feels to me like he's kind of losing, like, as in Kanye here, he's kind of losing a bit of his power on that front. Um, Turtle Doves was a chance to get that hype again. But uh, Rezus, I think you were mentioning something about stock earlier on. What, what have you been told on that front? Upwards of 50K plus on this on this new model, which is... It really kind of, I guess, goes to your point, easiest for everyone, right? If that's the very first one that kind of touched the market of that model, we're just going to pay homage to it, drop it in version. It's, it's not supposed to be limited anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that was the, they didn't even make half sizes. Yep. Um, at that point, no one really knew. Like people would say they knew like what was you know what was going on in terms of from a cultural perspective and the shift at that point that was you know that was a hard shift from Nike to uh, Adidas when those came out. A lot of heads were twisted by those, um, mm-hmm. and then the first three hundred and fifty. Um, it, it was just kind of semi under the radar, you know. Like it, it wasn't for, for proper sneaker guys; they were on it, but it it. It wasn't one of those ones like now that you could be loosely affiliated with shoes and know that there's a Yeezy coming out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, you know, I have no worries about the Turtle Dove. I think the Turtle Dove, the Pirate Black, Moon Rocks, like those classic colors that 
every sneakerhead wants in those V1s. They're going to fly, and even you know, with a lot of stock, there's going to be a lot of demand for them. But I think maybe where we're going to start seeing this fall off, at least it feels to me, is you know, I, if it's anything like the 350 V2, I'd imagine they're going to pump out a bunch of colorways, a bunch of very similar colorways. We know Kanye loves his bare paint swatch samples for the beige. So, you know, by the time we get to like the 10th iteration of the V1, whether there will be that much interest anymore, I don't know. Agreed. I think a lot of the strength of it is is in, you know, in that heel tab. It's in that suede patch on the NSR. It's it's in, at least I hope, for some of the guys that came in after the game, the, the story, you know, the, the, the history in that model. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, I remember Moonrock's release and like every, everyone's got a story about Moonrocks. Everyone's got a story about like a site that glitched out and they managed to cart a couple of pairs. And like <laughs> me, it was Mr. Porter. I managed to get two in a cart and check them out. And I think I sold them for £1,200 profit within half an hour of getting the shipping email. Um, everyone's got a story for those. And Oxford Town, I remember at the time, everyone's like, oh, what are these? These are terrible. They released £400 profit. Everyone's there. Oh. That, ugh, it's not even worth getting out of bed for. Um, and you look back at that now and think, oh, we had it. We really did have it good. Um, but it's it, it still wasn't easy to cook then. You know, you really you did need to have some access. You basically needed to destroy a three stripes at that point. Yeah, you had to really be in the know. Like, botting wasn't really that common. And then even if you had a bot, it wasn't just as easy as really nowadays where a lot of these bots, you could pick up a bot, have access to proxy group buys, or maybe even their own proxies. I, th- I think some bots even do that. Uh, and, you know, account group buys and stuff like that. Back then, you had to get the bot, find some really weird sus proxy website <laughs> that you had to hope people that, you know, they were not they were working on Foot Locker and everything. You didn't yeah. really know. And now it's just, it's such a different time, really. Yeah, it is. It is. But I, I, I like it. Like, I was like, I'm a... I'm a big advocate for people being able to, you know, pick up and go with our industry. You know, I think a lot of the, not jealousy, but a lot of the the frustration that comes from like Joe Public about people using tools of automation and bots and all of that. It, and I, I say this as someone that was involved in, in, a, in a retail product that was very successful, got a lot of um, market attention and had, arguably probably the highest attraction of normal users come to it from any product and these guys were all so angry until we sent them a key to the product we'd be getting death threats via dm we send them a key straight away oh, oh thanks guys can't wait gonna go and go and get a playstation and then turn up in the discord nice as pie really cool um so it's it is literally like a well i i'm not in that i'm not in that i hate you the word club but easiest way to describe it um, and then once they get kind of see over the fence and they see that we're just a bunch of normal people that are just quite passionate about what we do, um, they don't, they don't mind it. And, and, you know, that is really where this, this whole thing stems from. So like, I, I do hope that the Yeezys being more mass available does perhaps bring back some guys that may have lost their interest in it. Um, hopefully introduces some new people to this history side of it. Um, I, I mean, I can't help but feel like it would be nice to have it be ten thousand 
stock and make 500 quid a pair though i will i will just add that as a caveat <laughs> <laughs> i will say I to mean, hollywood's point though i, I think you're right like, you have your four staple colors that are always going to do well the turtle doves are not going to be a bad profit shoe if they redid the pirate blacks moon rocks tans those are all going to do well because you have a wave of nostalgia there that you have enough people that are going to say okay i didn't get this shoe then i'm going to get it now yeah, I feel like just to jump off something that Dowd was talking about, um, I think there's also a lot of like misunderstanding with the general kind of sneakerhead as to, you know, what bots actually do and how easy they are to use. And I think people have this, you know, they, they have this misapprehension that you buy a wrath or something and then magically pairs of shoes, you know, start appearing at, at your front door. And they're actually these days, botting is really bloody difficult. Like I tell a lot of my friends who, you know, they'll ask about should they invest in bots? And most of the time I'll, I tell them no. I tell them to, you know, focus on some of the manual cops, the easy things they can get when they're looking for personal pairs because the cost investment in botting well now is, is really high. Um, as a good example of that, um, I have a friend who I've been friends with, um, for probably the last, you know, four or so years, um, a girl called Tiana, which some of you um, will probably know, um, she's one of the most prolific kind of botters in sneak in the sneaker space right now. And she gets a lot of hate for it. A lot of people, you know, hating on the fact that she gets these crazy clips. But, you know, I've talked to her at three in the morning when she's been setting up for a 5 a.m. drop and she's showing me receipts for like $10,000 plus worth of proxies. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, so for a lot of people, I think there's this, un there's this misunderstanding that, you know, like there's everyone's running bots and that's why they're not copying. Whereas I actually think a lot of the time, the average person who's bitching about bots they're that person that goes to the website, fucks around, reads the copy, tries to decide what colorway they want, you know, adds the car, has to go downstairs, find their credit card, types it in wrong. You know what I mean? It's like that person who spends <laughs> five, five minutes manually checking out, fails, and then goes, oh my fucking God, these scumbags with the bots, that's why I didn't cop. And it's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, but Hollywood, how could someone possibly check out faster than that if they weren't a bot? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think that's a lot of the time that's the case, right? It's like, you know, these people get demonized for, for botting and how they're kind of destroying the culture. But at the end of the day, I think actually manual is very possible. And if you're a sneakerhead who just wants a pair of like the hype shoes between raffles and manual sites, you know, with the right knowledge, don't get me wrong, I think having a group with good monitors, having good release guides, all of those things, understanding add to cart links, it all helps tip the scale. But the idea that, you know, you can't cop without bots is just, I feel it's a misnomer that uh, people who don't really understand sne the sneaker space kind of have stuck in their heads. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I think there's so many things that you can do and i mean this is actually something that we were talking about just the other day on a phone call was you know certain things that we do as second nature that you know, they've been around for years uh, yada yada you know, a user that's got involved in this industry in the last month six months year they won't know these sort of little tips and tricks so it's important to kind of 
refresh your brain on them and make sure that you're reminding yourself um, of them. Cause it can literally be you know, simple stuff, like as simple as inspecting element on websites can make a difference. Um, and ju- just being able to read a, a tiny little bit of code, don't need to be able to do any coding, but just being able to read through and understand what certain things mean. Google is your friend. Um, I mean, the amount of information that you can just find just from spending some time reading. Um, but, you know, you can have the best gun in the world if you haven't got any ammo for it or vice versa. It doesn't really matter. You know, you, you do need to put a, a, bit, a bit in yourself. Um, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Like, personally, I find I run my bots less and less. I'm actually more into raffle botting than I am any other type of botting just because there's so much work, time, and cost in setting up to bot a drop, and it's so hit and miss depending on, you know, even if you have an amazing bot, some weeks it's the best bot in the market and it's going to absolutely destroy the bot, the drop and the next week that bot won't cook at all. It's like you kind of have to be one of these people who's running four or five bots and hundreds of dollars worth of, if not thousands of dollars worth of proxies to really guarantee it. And if you're looking for, you know, one to three pairs, you can do that without any expenditure and, you know, any of those uh, that that difficulty you can do so much manually definitely agree on that and i i, I know that um we've been kind of making strides in the aco front and assisting people get pairs in that way um for anyone that doesn't know um that is where you're able to submit your details and say you know i'd like i'd love for someone that's either you know, more experienced or available when i'm not whatever the reason may be and they will attempt to go and get the shoes for you. Obviously, it's not guaranteed. The hit rate's never going to be 100%. Um, but, you know, members do get assisted in that front. They do get um, – we do run a service where we are going for uh, raffle wins on a, on a very large scale. And then these are filtered down to the users and given away as giveaway prizes or rewards for engagement or however the managers may choose to disperse them amongst their users. So you know, there's plenty of ways to get your hands on on stuff. It's not just about sitting and grinding. And you know, it, it, it's also we've got the staff to tell you the best approach to take. Because you know, if you're going to turn around and say oh, I haven't got the funds to do X, Y, Z, that doesn't mean you can't progress. There's always ways. Um, one example off the top of my head: go and grind out a, a boatload of raffles, get some wins, sell the raffle wins to people. It doesn't cost you a penny. All it costs you is time. When you win on these raffles, you can sell them for 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever the profit is relative to the shoe. Now you've got a bit of extra cash. Do that a couple of times. Now you can afford to buy one of the shoes yourself, profit from it, yada, yada, yada. Slowly but surely build up a war chest. Do that, and before you know it, it will snowball completely out of control. But you know, you need to be reg- regimented with it. You need to be militant with it. If you're one of those people that's lucky to have a shed load of cash, just be sensible. Don't spunk it. Don't waste it. Spend accordingly. Hold products you think are worthwhile and take your profits when you can. Yeah, actually, a good example of that is, you know, for raffle entries, if you make a bunch of Gmails yourself, you don't need to buy hundreds, but like, you know, these drops like the Travis or the um, the Tom Sachs releases, you can, um, if, if you've got any iPhone, basically, you switch out. I don't know if it's probably viable on Android as well. I don't use Android. But, you know, with iPhone, you just turn Wi-Fi off. You switch the phone into LTE mode and back off again. And that resets your IP. And you just enter the form again with a completely different 
um, email address. You know, if you have 20 email addresses that you manually cre- um, created, you've now got 20 times more chance than someone who who just enters once. Just having the knowledge of how to do that, you can do a lot manually. Um, and yeah, in terms of how you can fund the other things, I mean, like uh, probably one of the best manual cooks, I think, in the last couple of years was PlayStations. I checked out over 100 PlayStations manually in um the like first year of them being out um i wasn't using any i didn't i don't own a a flip spot for that um but between all the different websites and understanding how their releases went like tens of thousands of dollars of profit just on playstations by just watching monitors and knowing how the checkout process worked yeah it's all those tips that really just go a long way and as like these websites continue to adapt and change to, you know, the automated software that that is constantly attacking these sites, uh, it, it it is nice to be able to kind of fall back onto these manual methods that we've come so far to to build and love. Like it, it's it's funny because I actually find myself forgetting about some of these really easy tricks that go a long way. Like you saying uh, the simple like IP change. There's a member in AM who I think has like 10 little sneakers accounts that they enter manually every time they just switch the IP every time, just, just the way you're describing it. And, you know, those 10 minute drawings, you know, you can enter that many accounts manually. It doesn't take too long if you have all your passwords saved and they hit a few pairs every so often. And it's, you know, you build that up, you can get a bot. That's exactly it. It's, and then like you say, it's easily forgotten. I was on the phone to one of my friends back home and we were talking about, um, a TV series I want to watch and you can't access it here. And it's like geo-locked or whatever. Um, and I was getting really frustrated at the fact I couldn't watch it. And he was like, hold on. Can't you just use one of those proxy things that you use when you're trying to get shoes? And I was like, oh my gosh, how have I not thought that's embarrassing? Yeah, and sometimes, uh, sometimes the manual... <laughs> Sometimes the manual method is the dumbest fucking thing. Like the PlayStation Store. <laughs> this was my favorite one of the last like year. Like when they launched that queue that everyone was bitching about how hard the queue was and how they never got through. Literally, all you had to do as a manual user is you uh, hit refresh on the page and hit the escape key or hit the stop uh, button while it was refreshing because the queue loaded later than the actual page. So the whole page would load with all the checkout flow that you could basically um, buy overlay. PlayStations on. And all you had to do was stop it before it loaded the queue, and it worked manually every time. And they weren't limiting to one house that household then. So every PlayStation drop, you were checking out five, six PlayStations on different accounts manually when they were selling for $500 profit each. Like It was so easy. Um, and there was no need for like bots or software or like proxies or any of those things. Like I'm, I'm a big believer in like, you know, now I think I've, I bought a lot less. I spend a lot of effort on the manual stuff because it's a lot less hassle and it's very profitable. So sign up for my manual cooking course. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, it, 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 it alleviates the headache too. Like I feel like, Kind of pivoting back to to what Dowd was saying of you know the whole negative stigma around botting itself, I feel like a lot of the general public do forget that it is well, mostly it is if you can't it is that if you can't beat them join them mentality with this industry, and honestly you know that's how you really do have to look at it. You know if there is somebody like there are people who invest you know a few hundred dollars and a few thousand dollars into their setup, 
And sometimes the guy who invests a few hundred dollars hits more pairs than the guy who hit who invested a few thousand dollars. But also the complete opposite is also true. You know, it's there's just so much variability in this industry and tons of money invested among both parties. It's just, you know, if you're not putting in the work, you can't expect to reap any benefits. You know, it's important that you at least learn the manual tips, at least. That's exactly it. I, I think it's super important to remember that if if this whole like you know the, the the purchasing process, the frequency of drops, the percentage margin that you make on the products was all this absolutely perfect all the time thing, then none of us would be here now having this conversation. Because Facebook would have a team dedicated to buying sneakers and selling them for profit. And, and you know, it, it wouldn't be something where we all get to enjoy doing this. There'd be these large tech companies that come in, take over the space, much like we've seen with uh, the NFT space, with uh, A16Z, who've quietly, slowly but surely invested money into companies like Azuki. Obviously, they own uh, Bordeaux, Anna Monica. Uh, Arcade.inc, they've got a controlling interest in. 15 to 20 of the largest projects are all backed and financed by this one company. That is not what, what, you know, everyone calls it Web3, but, you know, that's someone's just come in and basically bought your your industry. They now control your whole market. Um, And whost it might be great for, you know, like the I say us very loosely, you know, the, the people that run these sort of projects and these companies, because I'm sure everyone would make loads of money from it. It would be rubbish for the community. And I think that's the last thing that we want is uh, for that to happen. I think after so many years, we can be fairly confident that, you know, Google's not suddenly going to pop up and be like, right, we're going to release a, a, a ticket bot or <laughs> something like that. But um, I, I think it would be interesting if they did. I really do. Yeah, and honestly, I think you can get out what you you get out what you want based on the effort you want to put in. Like, you know, there are people I know multiple people who from reselling alone make, you know, a hundred, couple of hundred K a year in that. But you know, it's a full-time job for them. It's something they put a lot of effort in. I also know a lot of people who will, you know, flip stuff. They'll basically get every pair of shoes they want, whether they're, you know, getting them new or they're funding their purchase of that pair from something else they flipped. Um, and you know they make some they make some extra cash on the side, but it's really you know they're funding the hobby and unlocking what they what they want um out of it. I think they're both very viable depending on you know what it is that you're looking for yeah, exactly like this you know reselling it of you know it hurts you know you could argue it hurts any industry, but you know it it only hurts the industry if the if you know those who are after profit are only you know are solely after profit and I think I think I could say this for a lot of people really those you know I personally joined the the industry and I was looking for just profit and you know as I continued to buy sneakers and you know actually explore the the culture and the, you know these brands and the history the significance behind specific silhouettes designs and collaborations I truly do love the sneaker culture and and this this whole aspect of of you know specific design and brands like I I love it I love it so much and I think you know like you said people we sell things that we do reinvested back into the industry you know I, just because i sold 10 pairs of jordan 4s doesn't mean i'm not saving up for a pair of off white jordan 1s right 
For sure. And I mean, I think that's also like a really core thing. Like, I, I did actually have a conversation with a um, quite large national the other day about, for lack of a better phrase, mole rats. And, you know, the kids that spend all day in the mall <laughs> waiting for stuff to be released and yada, yada, yada. Um, and we were discussing that. And, I, you know, I was quite adamantly stating that, in my opinion, these these mall rats have existed since the creation of the mall. And kids will and have always sat there and spent their time in the malls. And if there's a bunch of kids that are going down there to purchase sneakers, luxury goods, watches, whatever the hell it might be to make profit, they should be encouraging it. They should be working with these stores to make sure that it's done in a safe environment. Uh, they should make sure that their employees are supporting it because it could be a bunch of kids smoking crack, throwing rocks through their windows, which is what was going on when I was a kid. You know, kids were doing all sorts of dodgy shit. Now they've got guys trying to hustle and make some money and they've got a problem with it. And, you know, that's um, it's important for them to understand that those kids are going to leave the mall Go flip these shoes and then they're going to come back to the mall and buy a different pair of shoes or a wallet or a belt or, you know, something like that. Because what else are they going to spend it on? They live with their parents. They're going to, you know, make themselves look good because that's what you do at that age. That's what I was doing at that age. And I'm still very guilty of uh, doing the stage annoyingly. Um, <laughs> but, it, it, you know, it, there needs to be that kind of, you can't be like, it frustrates me when retailers act like they're better than the clients and, and you know, like, oh, well, you're just a kid that's here buying a pair of shoes. And it's like, yeah, but that's actually one of the big driving factors for the reason that people go and buy your tracksuit bottoms and your socks is because they're associating the brand through that. And they might not be able to access the shoes, but they, you know, they can still rep their uh, favorite celebrity or sportsman or whichever it might be an esports icon, whatever the hell they follow. Um, so I, I do think that we will see more of that. And we've, we've started to see that from the NFT stuff and companies kind of trying to bridge that gap, but it does feel a little bit forced. Um, and I, I do hope that we see some of those kind of community and social people move across in a non-cheesy, non-corny fashion, because it, be, it would be really dope to have a you know a direct line of communication with Nike and you know see them post leaks and us as fans be able to respond direct like that to me the concept of that is like so straightforward and easy for them to do that I don't get why they haven't already. I mean I think we're slowly moving to that that kind of period. I mean I think we see that already with Adidas, you know, and, and Yeezy Mafia, right? You know, if Adidas wanted to stop Easy Mafia and, you know, them leaking things they would have done it a long time ago. It's free marketing for them. You know, like they just, they just leaked the, uh, a new Easy Knit Runner today. Free marketing for them. Uh, so I think in that regard, I, I think we're, we are getting closer there, especially with, with actually Nike because they've been doing, uh, you know, like the sneakers live events and they do, I think it's, uh, they do, it's like heating up. I think that's what they call it, something like that. And they'll unveil like, the upcoming Jordan collaborations for, you know, the summer or the, or the fall winter lineup or the Travis Scott collaboration. Like they will, they will show off some upcoming sneakers that have already been leaked. Sure. But, you know, actually showing them in hand and, you know, the details and all that behind it. I think that's a really good use of that kind of medium 
Um, and I mean, we do. I, I will give Nike a little bit of respect in that regard because uh, whilst they've executed poorly time and time again, they were definitely ahead of the game with the concept for sneakers, the app. And, you know, that interaction, gamification of access to items, direct consume, uh, consumption of marketing. Like, it's, it's a really great concept when you break it down into its pieces. But I do, you know, I think we can all agree that it, it wasn't, or it hasn't been to this, this point, a huge success for them. Um, you know, Scratch Off's got abandoned pretty much. Uh, I can't remember the last time we saw the frequency of stashes. I feel like, yeah, my biggest problem with like the way that Nike Nike's innovated a lot, and they've come up with a lot of really cool ideas, like you said, Dow. Like the stashes have been awesome; they're a really cool idea. The uh, especially, you know, when they're kind of giving clues about where drops are. They've had, you know, goods kind of like passes and other releases. They've. Um, the scratch-offs that you mentioned, I know they've done them more in Europe than here. They were really cool. But they've been plagued by technology issues. And that this is one of the biggest challenges, I feel, is for the amount of money Nike's got and the amount of money they're investing into marketing sneakers, they've done a really shit job from a platform standpoint. Like, this stuff, first time, of course, you're going to have some bugs, some un, it's kind of unforeseen issues. But the fact that time and time again their entire service basically falls over. Even on normal releases, they put like their live, their raffle releases that they've been doing for, you know, five plus years, but a hype chew. And you, you can't even like bring up the purchase module to enter for the best part of a minute because they just can't handle their own load. And like, that's why I think you're seeing all these, you know, 10 minute raffles now for hype shoes because they can't work out how to make the sneakers app actually perform for them under load. Um, and the same with like a lot of these tech things, like the stashes. I know they, they've tried time and time again with Bluetooth to try and remove the ability for people to spoof into the location. And every time they've done a Bluetooth stash, it's been a complete shit show. Um, which is like, you know, first time you're like, cool, stuff goes wrong. But when it's time and time again, you do wonder, like, why is no one at Nike actually saying hey what the fuck why can't we get this right because uh, they've got these great ideas and they just fail to execute them i think it's that magical i word innovation where it ends up being a rounding error and you know, it didn't work we'll chalk that one off as an experience and move on to the next thing but us as like avid consumers and, and you know i mean that in terms of actually physical consumption of everything to do with this industry we pick up on those things and we you know we do notice that well hold on you had this really awesome tech where we had to hunt through the app to find an image that we then had to scratch to turn it into a different shoe which gave us access to the pair that we were looking for um i think the biggest one which none of us have mentioned is do you remember the purple the l release where if you, if you scanned the box, it came up with a thing um, in the sneakers app to be able to purchase your guaranteed pair um, of the green ones. 
Yeah, yeah I, I do. And, um, you know, and, and I think to the most part, they're really cool things for fans. Now, don't get me wrong, like, you know, they're also very cool things for anyone who's in a good cook group because very quickly, you know, I did not have an original box. Yeah. But very quickly, someone finds an image of the original box that works. The same as, you know, every time they do a sneakers cam and they, you know, subtly hide a QR code somewhere at, in San Diego by Comic-Con for Stranger Things or at a sports event. Um, normally, five, ten minutes before it even goes live, if not days before it goes live, um, we've normally got the image. And so, you it's know, all, yeah, it's you, can, you can kind of check it, check it out. But um, they are really cool executions. And, I mean, if Nike really wanted to, to the point of you're probably right about, you know, how much effort they're going to put in, if they really wanted to, they could close the loop on some of that stuff and stop those things getting leaked. It's just a matter of, you know, the number of people who are getting access to that. They just, you know, limit that and they can limit those those leak opportunities if they could be bothered. But maybe you're right. Maybe, you know, Sneakers is making them so much money and they're making so much in sales that their executives don't really give a shit about the user experience. And, you know, they've got a very small budget for innovation as long as you know the 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 cogs keep turning no one really cares i mean i i personally feel like it's it's more of you know the user experience is important but not right now i think it's more so getting the users onto the platform i you know i think we've made it pretty clear uh, a few spaces back that you know nike is going more for that direct to consumer direction and you know with that comes the the full utilization of the sneakers platform itself uh, I read in an article somewhere that I think Nike they they published a report that they they are losing out on billions of potential revenue by by not selling direct through consumer on the sneakers app, uh, you know, selling through Foot Locker, Finish Line, and all these other stores. If they allocate all of that in extra inventory through sneakers, they could be making a hell of a lot more money. So oh, I think you know, absolutely, doing yeah. doing these these weird releases with stashes and. Uh, you know the augmented reality. You know it, it's it's not something that they you know don't want to do, but I think a lot of those did relate to you know the location experience, which unfortunately, you know the COVID nineteen pandemic kind of screwed up that that whole area of being outside and you know in person events. So you know now that we're finally seeing uh, things opening up, and you know we're seeing consistent sneakers pass again. You know we saw how they revamped that entire system. It's no longer first come first serve. It's it's a complete drawing now. Um, you know, that also adds to the manual experience and them, you know, having more users on the actual app itself. Imagine a first come, first serve experience, sneakers pass experience with 10 times the users going for that release. So they are implementing these these changes looking out for the user experience in the long run. It's just a matter of trial and error. Unfortunately, it's a lot of error. I think that's yeah, that's a good that's a good summary. And I think if uh if the extra percentages that they're making from this direct-to-consumer approach was put towards the innovation budget and made the user experience cleaner and feeling more randomized, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's one of those weird ones because I know that obviously bots do have success on Nike still, but you know, there was periods where there was absolutely no success on Nike bots. And everyone was still complaining on Nike's post, saying they, you know it's fixed, can't get it, bots. 
and so you know i do sometimes look at that and wonder how much of it is actually related because i know that you know we'd all love to sit here like, ha, 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 like all of the stocks come to these guys but just logically a good chunk of it has to go to the general public and normal people that are going for shoes um as it you know as it should um and so it's kind of just makes me feel like even even if we all stop botting tomorrow, this would still be the situation. Nike would still get it in the ear every day from or every release from people saying, "Oh, I couldn't get it. It's not fair. I should have got a pair. It was in my basket. I couldn't check out. The website's broken. The app doesn't work." Uh, I don't think it would necessarily eradicate those problems for them. No, not at all. You know, it, it's always going to be, you know, for a lot of these releases. Uh, you know, like stashes and sneakers passes, like these drawing sneakers passes. We don't have like traditional bots to where, you know, you could start up a thousand tasks, even normal sneakers potting. It's very intensive on a computer. You know, back in the day, you were able to run sure a thousand tasks on sneakers and enter for that Travis Scott release and you'd probably hit. Uh, you know, back in the day when Ghost was cooking, you know, people were hitting clips of off-white Jordan 1s. I, I know in EU, when they had, they had the EU exclusive white pair, that all of that stock was taken by DNA and ghosts for the time. Uh, but you know, that's, that's not the case today. You know, if I want to run a hundred tests, if I want to enter a hundred sneakers accounts, I need to log into all my accounts, you know, around an hour before the drop, make sure that my computer doesn't explode in that whole process, because you can't just run normal, like uh, headless tasks. You know, they have to be full browser headed tests. Okay. And it's an entire process. You have to have high quality accounts that are phone verified. And if there's any reason for Nike to believe that it is an illegitimate account, it's flagged forever and you need a whole new account. You know, uh, the actual IPs that they enter, Nike makes it extremely difficult to log into to, to an account and have like a valid session. So, you know, you need to find good quality IPs that you could consistently log into. So, you know, if you're using residential proxies, which to do tend to work better, that's data expense that you got to worry about now. Yeah, and it's just it's a whole process like you know and that's you know one bot might might work better than the other you know sometimes nike just completely blocks an entire method of of entering yeah i mean that goes back to the old bnb you know, they've got the best business model in the world they they don't seem to work for a year and then they'll work on one random release and they'll you know they'll absolutely destroy it because nike just hasn't turned on one of their protections that is usually on they flex that success, go and every, you know, they've got, it wouldn't surprise me if they've got an excess of 20,000 customers since they started. Um, and, you know, 500 people go and renew for 60 bucks each. And, and that's a big chunk of money just for having worked on one release where you haven't actually done any work. Um, and then the devs push out a couple more releases. If they're lucky, they get two releases out of that. And then they'll get even more people buying it. And I've, I think there was an off-white release where it happened. And ev everyone bought their, uh, updated their BNB. I probably hadn't updated mine in two years, if not more. Um, and I'm there like 60 bucks. Yeah, this is going to get me this 2,000 pound profit shoe. Of course it is. And guess what? It didn't work. Um, but I, I do actually have a conspiracy theory on that front where for anyone that was around when the original, the 10 released, um, that was like, the absolute peak of Nike botting. Um, you know, they were uh, stock getting wiped out, using, average users hitting 50 clips like it was nuts. And then the 10 came along. 
which was profitable nights, which there hadn't been for a little while, suddenly every Nike bot stopped working for 12 months. Nike stopped being as profitable and suddenly the Nike bot started working again. I mean, I, I genuinely believe that during that period, the developers were just having the time of their lives, just cooking all the off-white releases. Because there's, you know, there's photos of those developers that they're like they're Danny B, there's the famous ones of him with a load of the off-white releases with hundreds of pairs. Unfortunately, that does sometimes happen where you hear, you know, you hear about these alpha or beta models that these bots have that mysteriously like cook the shit out of a drop, but they're just in testing for staff at that moment in time. And then they don't work as well ever again. Um but also, I think you can't discount the fact that I feel like with companies like Nike, the, the eye of Sauron effect is definitely something that you have to think about where uh, Nike executives, probably every now and again, they you know see something on Reddit or they or hear from their social media team something about Reddit, or you know they have some kind of input from a member of the public, like a friend or family mentioned something about how sneakers is botted to hell. And that executive who's never paid any attention before then has a freak out at the sneakers team. They all run around like headless chickens, put a load of resources into stopping botting to make the executives go away. The eye of Sauron moves somewhere else and then they stop spending those resources and, um, and, and updating because it costs them a lot of money like updating every single release staying ahead of those bots you, you know mm -hmm. uh, nike can do it nike could consistently make it so that it never so bots never worked but because at the end of the day you're talking about a dev team of like professional engineers versus a 17 year old kid you know very talented <laughs> 17 year old kid but these are people who've been writing code for you know 10 years at who are some of the best in the world but it's expensive getting a team of 20 30 developers crunching on something uh, like week in week out is costing nike tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars so you know why bother if um it, it doesn't make sense to have that line on your uh, on your cost sheet that well, hold on, why am I spending 20 grand a week stopping people from purchasing the product when my primary business is selling people products? Just It just doesn't add up. Yeah, and then there's other things that are business driving. You know, Nike is saying, hey, we want a new in-store thing or we want this new function or we want support for different types of payments that you don't currently have so we can make even more revenue. These opportunities, on the scale of sneakers, you have an opportunity that maybe is worth several million dollars to the company in additional revenue and they're balancing that against should we stop people from being able to bot uh, to bot these drops which at the end of the day they're still getting the money so I, I just feel like a lot of the time unless there's like an angry executive like yelling at the team about how they need to fix their shit they're probably not prioritizing it it's actually a really interesting take there because kind of as you started saying that i was thinking I had a kind of funny mental image of that. And then it reminded me of, of something that someone did mention to me. And I won't go into too much detail. One of the big brands um, back home, the European, like the head of business for Europe, is, is from a town near me. He got in a conversation with his friends and they were taking the piss out of him, saying, Why does no store back home sell the products? Blah, blah, blah. You're supposed to be Mr. Billy Big Bollocks. 
and no store in your hometown's even got the license to sell the goods. What sort of crap is that? And so they went to the tiny store in his local town and gave them the top tier license. Now they get absolutely everything. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there's guys that have been grinding away and whining and dining and trying to get these licenses for years and years and years and have wondering, hold on, I've been told for five years that they're not giving any more of them out. And then this guy's just had one fall in his lap. Uh, it's just pure luck. The guy deserves it who ended up with it, but, you know, it really is just luck. Yeah, never, never underestimate the... Um the things people will do to keep their executives happy. Like I have some friends who work uh, for some of the studios here out in uh, California. And um, I've heard on, you know, very good um, information from them that their marketing team will specifically buy billboards on the executives route to work. Because if the executives are seeing enough billboards for the new thing, they think the marketing team's doing a great job and they keep off their back. So they'll spend inventory buying stuff just to keep those executives quiet. I know also, you know, within the tech space, um, I've seen many times where, you know, most people don't use Macs. Like, the reality is, like, Macs are pretty underused comparative to PCs. But a lot of tech companies have a disproportionate amount of Mac support because a lot of executives use Macs for, they'll use their iPads and things. And if you're, you know, 60-year-old CEO tries to access your thing on his iPad at, at night and it doesn't work, you better believe you're getting a shitty email from him with all of your managers CC'd in the morning. So they make sure that it works on iPad, even though none of the fucking customers use it because then that CEO leaves them alone. Like that's just human nature. That's how companies work. And I'm sure Nike's no different. Shit trickles down. Shit trickles down. That, that's how I always used to take it back in hospitality when you know, the manager would come and give me an earful and you're there like, hold on, like, I, I, there's no identifiable reason as to why that's just happened. It's, okay, someone's just shouted at them for something that probably took place a month ago and they are just passing that frustration on to me and I'm not going to be the one that passes that on to the people that work underneath, so I'll just swallow that and get on with it. And, you know, I think that's a... Uh, I do think that's kind of like a real toxic mechanism of the corporate structure. Um, you know, it's, it's, and the higher up you get, the less, not the less work, or yeah, the less work you do. You know, and I know that you've got the experience, rah, 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 but like for most people, like they like getting down and dirty. And I do have a lot of friends that have turned down those kind of top, uh, you know, VP positions or even CEO positions because they're, they're so, I don't. I don't want to do that. I like. I like being on the floor, or you know, I like engaging with the engineers, or whatever it might be. Because um, they don't. They don't want to be in that position, and they, and they feel like they've got the chance to be a bit more actively involved in shaping the company, which is bizarre. Because you would think a CEO uh, or senior team member like that would have more opportunity, but often it's easier to get those changes done on that kind of middle, middle management level. Uh, yeah, in my, in my observation, um, a lot of executive C-suite execs are very out of touch of what's actually going on in the company because they don't see the day-to-day and their data points can be relatively limited. It can just be something like I was saying, you know, a friend or family member. Like I actually, I worked for a company years ago where the CEO used to, like he had a 15-year-old kid 
who worked in uh, or who was into the thing that this company made and this fucking kid would give his dad product feedback no qualification no nothing you know he's a 15 year old kid but uh, and at one data point but you would get these meetings where the ceo would basically be like so i was talking to my son and my son said that we should do this or we should change this and you know you had to basically humor that and then you had to uh, check insights and get other data points to actually make an argument as to why you shouldn't do exactly what this guy's unqualified 15-year-old kid thought was the right thing to do for the product. So you get scenarios like that. So, you know, for Nike, if a Nike executive's cousin's fucking child says, oh, sneakers is botted, that sneakers team, the shit rolls downhill and um, they're going to, for a little while, the CEO is going to be up their ass about how heavily botted they are and they're going to have to show them that they're not botted. And then... They can just go back to what they're doing and do their day jobs rather than focus on that. It's, yeah. I mean, honestly, like, the more we talk about this, the more I'm like, it explains so much, so many dodgy decisions that have been made in this, uh, in this industry. Um, uh, right. I did see earlier someone raised their hands to ask a question. I think it was, it was Seth. Um, is there anyone else that does have a question? Um, my stomach's being a bit rambunctious, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap things up shortly. Um, but if anybody else has got any questions, feel free to raise your hands, and we will answer them for you right away. Mark, just adding you now, buddy. You should have speaking plans now. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, I want to touch on, as um, I don't believe Nike, like Nike sneakers drops or Nike drops in general. I don't believe they released their stock all at uh, one drop. Like I, I believe they withhold. Let's, like they hold yeah. it back for future releases and in-store stuff. Like let's say the the, the monitor will say there's a hundred K stock loaded, right? I don't believe they sold 100k pairs. Definitely agree. You're Definitely you're 100 agree. you're 100% right. We know this is a fact from not only do you see these, you know, the the restocks where it's clearly not pairs that everyone's returned. You have this hype shoe, it's not like a lot of people are returning them or canceled orders. Um but also they do sometimes have these events where Nike will conjure out of their asses a um, an amount of stock. So I think there's a certain amount of what you're saying where they're holding stuff on purpose. Also, with a lot of companies, um, there is a legal requirement that you do have to um, hold a certain amount of stock for uh, things like replacements and returns. You know, for damaged, faulty merchandise so like i know for example uh when undefeated opened up their glendale store here in la um they got two full-size runs of every original the 10 uh off-white shoe from nike with the exception of the presto and the and the jordans so they had full-size runs of like the air force ones the vapor maxes the blazers all those things. And it wasn't that Undefeated held them in their in their stockroom. Let's let's be honest. Like th- them holding anything in their stockroom is laughable anyway. But you know, they um Nike 
we asked the staff and Nike provided those to them. And that was two and a half years after the release of the 10. So Nike had enough stock in its storeroom to be able to hook undefeated up with, you know, dozens of pairs of some of the most sought after off whites. So they, they do have an inventory. Is it like when uh, DSM dropped the 10, like a year after or two years after the drop? I suspect, yeah. You remember that drop? It was randomly? During the daytime? Yeah, sometimes you're going to have scenarios where maybe a store does hold some stock back, but a lot of the time that stock does come from directly from Nike. And this undefeated Glendale drop, um, they confirmed that they got the stock from Nike direct. So Nike, they told Nike they wanted to launch a new they won events out of it, have a, a big shock drop. And Nike came to them, was basically like, cool, we'll hook you up. This is what we've got for you. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they do that. And then also, uh, like some stores, like uh, like some like the bigger stores will also hold inventory, like for future store openings. Like we saw that with Trophy Room Store. Uh, and they held up, held back some inventory of funds, which we know were, were numbered also. Uh, and they held back some, I want to say roughly like, so quarter of the, the amount of stock that they had, like uh, overall stock uh, for the grand opening. in I think Miami, I think that's where somewhere in Florida, they, they opened up a new store and that's where they reserved the rest of that stock. Yeah, you do. Um, you do get that with the retailers in Europe. Um, you used to get it. Mark, what you were saying about DSM, um, when I used to, and this is going back quite a few years, when I did used to get access to that sort of information, stock numbers, et cetera, et cetera, it was always very clear that they weren't releasing all of the stock that they were receiving. Um, and then when they do do store openings, um, they, they move the stock around. But I, I, I have seen with stores like that where they genuinely lose stock and they have absolutely zero idea where it's gone. It's in a warehouse somewhere. It's been transferred somewhere the sticker's fallen off and then six months later someone opens that box in the corner and oh shit there's a bunch of shoes in here um so it's i know that we all like to think of it as this really sleek well-operated machine but like actually behind the scenes it, it, it is often just a bunch of guys like us that are operating these large companies and dealing with the stock movement etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, and obviously they're they're more than capable of doing that um, but you know, there, there isn't some 65 year old guy sat there doing it all. Obviously in the senior, senior positions there is, but you know, the actual day to day, like, of course not. It's, it's just a, a guy that's an expert in that that's doing it. Occasionally things go wrong. They rely on third parties, etc. Um, but it's great for the consumer. Um, not necessarily great for the reseller that's holding a product. I would have hated to have held the turtle doves for four or five years. And then now find out there's however many tens of thousands of pairs coming, because that would be quite a kick in the teeth. Um, but then at the same time, there is also an element of, are you being greedy if you're holding a pair five years later, expecting it to continue going up? Man, I'd be too nervous about them degrading. You see all these pictures of like shoes there where the foam's just like crumbled over time because they left them or it's just yellowed and oh. they, they don't... See it doesn't seem like something that you know <laughs> keeping is is a keeping in a warehouse somewhere is a really smart idea. A hundred percent. I mean, they. I, I had some of the original black cats 
for a fantastic deal, wore them on carpet and was like, yeah, these, these are fine. Didn't end up wearing them, sold them to somebody and they messaged me being like, fell apart first wear. Oh, I'm really sorry, wow. mate. But, you know, there's nothing, nothing I can do to help you with that. I'm afraid. Um, um, but then I do know guys that have got pairs significantly older than that, and that they wear not regularly, but regularly for a shoe of that age, um, and they they're fine. They seem I don't fine, know. Like, yeah, I don't know if actually keeping them in a box is part of the the issue because I've got pairs of like seven eight-year-old jordans that are perfect as good as the day i first wore them but they i don't keep my shit in boxes i wear them they're out in the air i don't know if maybe that helps they need they need it's, to be worn they need to be worn you need to wear them to kind of fuse fuse everything it might it might be an urban myth but you know all of my shoes like you say oh. I, i've got dunks and old nikes and stuff i'm just looking at my shoes now and it's like some of these have been around the world it's, it's actually yeah, an issue with fine. the air bubble that tends to crumble over time. It's been a thing since like the 2000s, early 2000s. But I was collecting an issue do with the air bubble. Do you think that's down to um, like the, the how the how the bubbles integrated? Yeah, yeah. Like the, like for the, for the Jordan retros, the twos are really bad. Threes, fours, five, six, seven, eight. Eights are really bad. Nines are really bad. Tens are fine, 11s is fine, and anything after that is fine. So anything with a visible or with the air bubble, especially visible ones, they yeah. they tend to crumble after like five plus years. Isn't Interesting. Interesting. That was holding a bunch of uh, shoes for that long in case they did break down and you're basically left holding the bag. <laughs> and what you gotta do is uh, you wear them occasionally to keep them uh, the material is still good. To keep that missile wearable. Yeah, Good that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And I think it's it's the danger of being a collector, you know, like with with anything uh like that sort of thing. You know, I've got friends that have held something since they were little kids in you know pristine condition in the packaging and then they've had a child and the child's two years old and ripped open the packaging when they're not looking and it's like well 32 years of treasuring an item out the window nothing you can do it's like, like I'm, I'm very much a enjoy your shit put it on your feet wear your clothes wear your shoes stay out for that extra beer you know, there's uh, a life to be lived out there somewhere. Um, so, unless anybody else does need to, does have any questions, I am going to wrap things up um, just as I need to vacate. So, thank you very much for everybody for joining us as always.